Friends, welcome to Ask the Experts podcast with Alka. This show would not be possible without you, the viewers, who come back each and every week to listen, learn, and grow. Because the entrepreneurs who I have on my show truly bring a lot of value, and you truly are going to be inspired by my guest today, Ajamu Ayande who has an amazing, for what he does, he is an um, expert, which I will be bringing him on. But before I do so, I always want to acknowledge you, the viewers, because without you, we would not have a show. We would not be possible to be doing what I doing, what my team and I bring on guests for you. So we always want to acknowledge you, the viewers, to always come back to listen, learn, and grow. So without further ado, I just want to share a little bit about how did my journey into podcast begin? So the core of my being is empowerment. I love to empower women to always challenge and gain the knowledge and the confidence, especially. So for the past six years, I ran a very successful fitness studio, a boutique fitness studio here in Toronto. So my clients, they truly got, um, you know, huge benefits and how they began to challenge themselves throughout their fitness journey. So empowering is what I love to do. And today I really empower my clients, women to who to gain the knowledge, understanding and confidence, especially when it comes to real estate investment. So empowerment is what I do. And on this show, we empower you. We empower you, the viewers, from my guests who come on to share their knowledge and expertise. So empowerment is the basis. And from there on, this show has begun for you so that we can bring value to you. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest, Ajamu Ayande. Ajamu, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today, Alka. You're welcome. So Jammu is a board-certified clinical hypnotherapist, master mental coach, and certified transpersonal hypnosis trainer. He holds multiple certifications in sports hypnosis and performance enhancement and is a master practitioner of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. He has won awards in these areas and he has created a mental games system, which is a very unique approach to how Ajamu, he helps clients, athletes, to, uh, you know, for their performance and based on his background as martial artist and as a professional dancer, sports psychology and research was the basis. And he, from his experience, Ajamu has helped 30, has helped clients in 30 states and countries, which, you know, in 2004, he is the IACT of the year. So I truly want to acknowledge Ajamu uh, for coming on. And, you know, we want to share a little bit about what you have done, Ajamu, because it truly is amazing as to what is hypnosis. How can this modality help so many people? And what I want to start by asking is how did your journey begin? 
was there, did you, how did your journey begin? Just share with us the steps that you, what were you doing before you became a clinical master practitioner, hypnosis trainer? What were you doing before and how did hypnosis begin to come into your life? Well, I have to start at the very, very beginning. And the very, very beginning is (laughs) my mom and dad used hypnosis to facilitate my birth in 1968. So I was born in a hypnotic trance. My mom and dad uh, had done Lamaze training for my sister in 1967 and had not had the experience of the birth that they really had ideally wanted. And so they were looking for some other alternative. They were looking for something else that they could do. So they found a book written by a medical doctor, by an obstetrician who was trained in hypnosis. He had done hypnosis for over 20 years and he wrote a book in 1960. And I have a copy of that book today. It was one of my treasured things uh, that I own uh, because it's it's um, it's tied up in my identity. So I grew up with a mom who knew how to do hypnosis because she had done it for her birth. But then she also used hypnosis on my sister and I uh, from the time we were in the crib. So I grew up with a very strong focus on education and a very strong focus on morality. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never drank alcohol, never been drunk, never taken a drug, and just been on the straight and narrow path from the very beginning. I was born in the inner city, in the Bronx, the South Bronx, a lot of crime, a lot of drugs, a lot of poverty. And my mom was was able to send my sister and I to Catholic schools, and I was able to attend uh, boarding school and private colleges as a result uh, with with scholarships, with with uh, no out-of-pocket uh, from her. So I, I really, my mom has passed away for 20 years now, but I give her all the credit for making me the man that I am. So when I went to college, I majored in Asian studies. I have a deep interest in Buddhism and Taoism and, uh, and Hinduism. And so I, I was a teaching assistant for Chinese history and Japanese literature and I became a school teacher out of college, but I had been a professional dancer as well. So I combined those two things. So I taught history in high school and in junior high school. And then I was also teaching dance, teaching martial arts. And eventually I found that hypnosis was a career path. I didn't know it was a career path mm-hmm. uh, until the mid nineties. And so around 1995, I discovered uh, some of the tools that I now use professionally and got certified. That is beautiful. I mean, you've been you've been well versed in so many different areas. So hypnosis, hypnosis is a heightened state of concentration. So what is hypnosis and how does it work? Okay. Well, hypnosis in my def my simple definition that I like to have is it's a focused state of attention. It's a naturally occurring focused state of attention. And it's something that everyone does throughout their day. So anytime you're reading a book, you're in a trance. Anytime you're watching television, you're in a trance. Anytime you're going on your phone, mm. you're in a light trance. You're driving in your car, you miss your exit. You're in a light trance. So it's it's focusing on one thing to the exclusion of everything else. So even when you pray or meditate, you're in a trance. When mm. you're listening to an engaging speaker, you're in a trance state because you're you're letting go of all of your other thoughts and you're focusing in on one thing and one message. And yep. so that's what hypnosis is. And hypnosis is most known for helping people to stop smoking, 
helping people to lose weight and helping people to manage stress. So when I got started, that was what I was trained to do. But because I had a background in teaching and education, I did a lot of work with exam anxiety. And mm-hmm. I worked with attitude adjustment because a lot of children had you know, negative attitudes toward authority figures or toward uh, learning in general or any specific subject area. So I helped a lot of kids in that regard. And so hypnosis is something that is a focused state of attention. That's the simplest definition that I can give. And I think that everyone who wants to be hypnotized can be hypnotized. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tend to, to share with people. Okay. So when you say you could, uh, you were focusing, you know, you were helping kids. So would you say hypnosis can also help kids who have, um, you know, ADHD? Would you say hypnosis could help help children in those areas? Perfect. Okay, good. Absolutely. And dyslexia. Dyslexia, right. Okay. And so would you... For people who don't know what is hypnosis, they may be um, they may not want to try because you know we are we're skeptical. I mean, right. I, I am too. If there's something different, something new, I like ancient, like acupuncture. Acu, you know, I, I I didn't want to try. I don't know. I don't right. want to try. But I I may initially, but at first I'm going to be reactive. So would you say there are myths around hypnosis? There are many myths. And so I'm really grateful for my background in in teaching and education because I feel like what I primarily do is teach people. I teach people about hypnosis because it's something that has a lot of myths and misconceptions around it. So the first first most prevalent myth is that the the hypnotist has some kind of special power control over people. So I I just have to dispel that one right out the gate because hypnosis is something that allows you to have more control rather than less control. So it's not a mind control. It's not a brainwashing. It's nothing like that. You're waking up from the trance that you're already living. So when you know, for your listeners, for your viewers, if they're women who have been in, let's say, abusive relationships, there is a trance that they've kind of fallen into around what they can and cannot do. If they come from uh, a, a background where there's poverty, they may not believe that they can do certain kinds of things. So hypnosis is all about waking up from the limitation trance that you've been living. So whether that's what you can do in terms of your academics, whether that's what you can do in terms of your physical health and body, whether that's what you can do in terms of your finances or even your spiritual life, all of us have limiting thoughts and beliefs and hypnosis helps us to explode those limiting thoughts and beliefs and take on new beliefs that are more useful, more empowering, more helpful. Right. And I guess you've got to allow yourself, you have to also allow yourself to not be limited by your beliefs. You've got to believe and just go in and say, well, okay, well, it's going to help me. If that's a treatment that you're looking for, it's going to help you. So you also have to go in and you also have to believe that it, right. it is going to work. Because if you go with the mindset that it may not work, then it's not going to work. Well, one of the benefits of being in, in practice for 27 years is right. I have a lot of, of testimonials. Yes. And I have a lot of, I've worked with people in 30 states and 12 countries. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to reach out to doctors around the country who have known the benefits of hypnosis, but never had 
someone that they could refer to. So I get a lot of referrals from doctors around the country and doctors in my area. I've spoken at a lot of hospitals. I've spoken at medical schools. I've spoken at colleges. And so a lot of what I do is medical. And then a lot of what I do is sports related. So my, my right. master's is in sports psychology, mm. but then I have a great interest in childbirth preparation. And then I also have an interest in helping people who are breast cancer survivors. So that's something that I do pro bono and have done that for about 21 oh, that's years. Interesting. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I, I help women to deal with the side effects of their treatment, whether it's chemotherapy, radiation, helping them with uh, just fatigue, pain, uh, appetite, nausea, all the different side effects that come from the conventional treatments. Uh, I help them to mitigate those using hypnosis. That's beautiful. And so Ajami, are these sort of, is there, are these special um, specific conditions that hypnosis can help or diagnose a, a patient? Well, there's no diagnosis. Uh, hypnosis from a medical standpoint is something that's done in collaboration with a doctor or a dentist or a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. What we're looking to do is start with, let's say the person has a migraine headache, or let's say a person has insomnia. Once they have that diagnosis mm -hmm. from their doctor, they've got irritable bowel syndrome, they've got whatever it might be. Once they know that and they're on a medication or they're on a course of treatment from their doctor, they might want to use hypnosis to supplement that. So as a complementary medical practitioner, right. I'm not going to take the place of a doctor. I'm not going to step on his or her toes. I'm going to work in collaboration with, with the practitioner the primary practitioner, primary care physician to make sure that the person is first and foremost medically compliant. So oftentimes when someone has high blood pressure, when someone has diabetes, they're not taking their medication mm, uh, in, a, yes. in, in the way that they should. They're not eating in the way that they should. They're smoking cigarettes. They're doing other kinds of things that are making their, their situation worse, making their condition worse. So I, I'm very much interested in collaboration and, and making sure, like I said, that there's medical compliance first and foremost, but then that if there are any side effects of medication that someone is taking, we can work on making sure that those side effects are, are, are lessened. Right. Mm -hmm. So hypnosis and clinical hypnosis. So I want to talk about what is a clinical hypnosis as a clinical hypnotherapist? And what are the benefits when it comes to mental health? Are there any misconceptions around mental health and what clinical hypnosis does? Well, I think the main, the main one is the issue of control. The second one would be the issue of, can I be hypnotized? There's this myth in, in the field that only 10% of the population can be hypnotized, which is not true. So a lot of people, they know the benefits of hypnosis, but they assume that they're too strong-willed or that their mm -hmm. mind is too strong or that they have difficulty focusing or concentrating or that their mind races too much and they assume they won't be able to be hypnotized. So what I do, again, in, in, educational, in an educational context is educate people as to what hypnosis can offer them once they do have a diagnosis, whatever that may be, 
So I'm going to support them to, for example, manage anxiety. So a lot of people have COVID-19 anxiety. And so I've been helping a lot of people since the pandemic to deal with their, their issues around isolation, their issues around a fear of disease and so forth. So that's one of the ways that this is a clinical use of hypnosis. But like, like I, I was saying earlier, I'm a medical hypnotherapist, but I'm also using hypnosis in a clinical context. So things that you would see a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a social right. worker for, mm-hmm. uh, I'm working in conjunction with those professionals to make sure that that treatment plan is being upheld. Exactly. Exactly. So you would just you would be there in conjunction to just help out the doctors, uh, if yes. need be. And I think you know it is such a it is such a great tool. Hypnosis is such a great tool that everyone needs to know about. And like you said, during the pandemic, you know, a lot of people faced isolation. A lot of people had this anxiety uh, to be confined in just the one space, the one room. I mean, I know for me, that would be for me too. And I just don't want to be confined. And I can just imagine how a lot of people during the pandemic were feeling. So yes. what was what was the process? What exactly does one do? Could you just walk us through the steps as to how do you combat with patients or people? Well, I think what I'd like to share is the way that hypnosis works. You'd asked yes. that question before and I didn't get a chance to answer that. So there's a couple of components to hypnosis. The first one that I want to share is conscious relaxation. So Mm -hmm. I have this program that I call mental games, but it's, it's, it's looking at core mental skills. And one of the core mental skills is conscious relaxation. So with, with hypnosis, there's always a kind of uh, process of helping someone to physically and mentally relax. And so that's, the cornerstone of all the hypnosis is is helping a person to relax physically and mentally. Then from there, we have visualization. The client is taught how to see with their mind's eye and hold that image in their mind and manipulate that image so that they can see themselves, for example, exercising consistently as opposed to being a sedentary person. So there's, there's visualization and then there's positive self-talk. So there, there's a, a soundtrack, if you will, of the movie in their mind that's playing. And the, the more robust the imagery and the remote, more robust the soundtrack, the more powerful the hypnosis is. So those are the three cornerstones, if you will, of hypnosis, getting someone into a relaxed state of mind like you would with yoga or like you would with meditation and then giving them something that they can see in their mind's eye and something they can say to themselves subaudibly that will allow them to then project themselves into the future, having accomplished the goal that they have in mind. So whether that's uh, they want to pass their real estate license examination or whatever it is that they want to do, they want to apply to graduate school, they can see themselves having done that, and then they get the feeling, the emotions of having done that in advance. So I like to think of it as a kind of coming attraction. So when you go to the movies, you get these wonderful previews of this movie that's gonna come out in a few months and you feel so excited about it because you've gotten the very best 
of that movie kind of distilled down to its elements. And that's what we do in hypnosis. We give you a preview of the life that you want to live, the life that you want to lead. And then you have such a burning desire, such a passion for that. It's it's like you're waking up from an amazing dream and you have this memory of what, what where you went and what you did and how you how you lived. And you said, well, I, I have to have this now. You have journey. You, you, you can taste it. Exactly. So it's that journey. You're taking them through the journey and pretty yes. much that's what they're experiencing. So when it comes to NLP, neuro-linguistic uh, um, programming, um, NLP, and when it comes to sports, now you um, also teach athletes, you're focusing on athletes. And when it comes to the hypnosis, you know, how important is NLP and how does it help athletes? How does it help individuals? What What's the process that they go through and how does it help them to win, win a game? What is that process? Could you share that with us? That's a great question. I think that hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming are, are almost like cousins. They, they work very well together. They're related sciences. Mm -hmm. There is hypnosis within NLP. There's NLP within hypnosis. And sometimes practitioners practice one of those tools. Sometimes they practice both modalities. I happen to practice both. With neuro-linguistic programming, the, the main feature that is different in, in, in clinical hypnosis versus neuro-linguistic programming is there's a set of presuppositions in NLP. So there are certain ideals that are generally agreed to that it's not as if it's written in stone, but it's the, their ideals and principles that are sought or that are said to be very useful ideas to accept. So for example, there is no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. That's a powerful mm -hmm. Uh, set of ideas that if we take them on, our whole way of operating changes. So for the athlete who, and, and two of the things that I do with athletes is I help athletes who have pregame jitters and I help athletes who are in a slump. So when it comes to that one presupposition of NLP, there is no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. All of a sudden, you're not going to have the same kind of issue with jitters if you understand it's impossible to fail there's no such thing as failure when it comes to really looking at it from a holistic standpoint because even going back to my days as a school teacher even if you get a failing mark even if you get an f on a test that is feedback that is not a failure in the in the truest sense of the word as long as you're still breathing as long as you're above ground you can make a second effort. You can make another attempt. And so I really like to use neuro-linguistic programming. There are techniques that I love to use that are very useful. Uh, for example- What are those te uh, techniques, yeah? Well, there's there's one technique that comes to mind is, and that's called the fast phobia cure. And the fast phobia cure is powerful because many times an athlete will have an injury. Let's say a, a gymnast falls off the balance beam and hurts herself. Maybe she- right. um, it injures her ankle or something like that. And so now she needs to get back on the beam, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And she has this fear that we can take her through this, this phobia. We can, we can undo that phobia. And one of the ways that that happens is we, we have an understanding that when someone has a phobia or has a fear, there is a movie running in their mind. 
and the movie goes from A to B to C to D. And what we do in neurolinguistic programming is we change the speed of that movie. So instead of it running at the normal pace, we double the speed or triple the speed of that movie. So it, they go from A to D in a, a split second. And we change the order. So instead of going A, B, C, D, we go D, C, B, A. And if you play the movie backwards, it's impossible for you to have the same experience, for you to have the same feelings about what happened. So what we wanna do is we wanna change the speed, we wanna change the direction, we wanna add elements like music, or we wanna take away elements like color. Sometimes we add tie-dye colors or rainbows or mm -hmm. different kinds of things to make the, the movie a different kind of feel than it was when they run it in their mind. So they have this, this, this movie, again, it's a metaphor. It's a movie that's running in their mind and it's running in a certain order and it's running in a certain way and it leads to a certain feeling. But the feeling can change if we change elements within the movie. Exactly. So we become so a, you... a movie director. Right, essentially, yeah. So would you say that when you're when you're changing like the uh, the you know the movie the script you know the colors for example mm. what is the basis for changing is it are you um you know challenging the athlete's mind are you challenging when you change the programming what's the basis behind changing because I'm just very curious as to what mm -hmm. happens when you change up the process how is the athlete how did they feel and what, feel, what happens in the, in the mind? They feel empowered because now they have a different impression. It's it's kind of like a, a great way to think about it is in the old days when we played records. Mm -hmm. If you play oh, a the record, vinyl. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The vinyl albums. And then if the record was scratched, mm. if you scratch the record, then it goes from the first song to the sixth song. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what we do when we do this fast phobia model in NLP is we take them from the beginning of their fear to the end of their fear in a split second. So instead of playing the whole of, of all the four or five different songs leading up to the last song, they go from the first song to the last song in a split second. And so that changes the complete feeling of how one relates to this album. So this album is no longer the same album. It's it, because certain elements, key elements, great songs in some cases have now been skipped. And in right. the same way, yeah. fearful right. moments of the movie of their mind are no longer present because they've been deleted. Mm. And, and, and one of the other things we used to do when we played records was we would play the record backwards and you could hear weird sounds and weird sounds, make up yeah. stories as to what was really being said, hidden messages and that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I, I like to use that metaphor of a record for those who still remember records. A warped record plays a certain way. A scratch record plays a certain way, different mm -hmm. from how a pristine album plays. So we want to use that metaphor to show how the, the movie theater of the mind or the record player of the mind can be changed in order to create a different kind of relationship to an event that happened in one's life. And, and that's a great way to see it, you know, how how the events 
play in your life, how they really sort of impact you in that way. So we're talking about the mind. I just want to talk about that you have created and it's a trademark that you created, Ajamu, at the mental games. How yes. did how did that concept, how did the concept come about, the mental games? How does it work? And so I'm just curious as to the mental games, what what is that impact that it has on individuals, patients, athletes? Does it work for one? Does it work for, you know, every single one? Or what's the basis behind mental games? How did it come about? Okay. Well, before I even was certified in hypnosis, I had learned some things from my mom mm-hmm. and I'd learned some things from mail order cassette tapes. Right. And I read some books and I'd been a martial artist and I'd learned some things from my martial arts teachers. Mm-hmm. And I was inspired by Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. I was inspired by Les Brown. I was inspired by Zig Ziglar. I was inspired by Brian Tracy. And Thanks. I decided because I'd been a school teacher and I was used to entertaining kids, I figure if I can entertain and keep kids awake, then I can entertain adults. I can be a motivational speaker. So I went out on, on, <laughs> yes. on my on my own with, uh, again, no formal certification at that point and said, I'm going to go and I'm going to share what I can do with people who might be interested. So my first point was to go to health clubs, to go to, 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 to health clubs, to go to yoga schools, to go to martial arts schools, and to ask them if I can speak to them on the power of their mind. So the mental games grew out of these seminars that I gave in 95, 96, 97 to help them to understand that there was a, another dimension mm. to exercise that was not physical, was not nutrition, wasn't stretching, wasn't uh, in in any way, well, not, not that it wasn't related, but it wasn't directly addressing the physical aspects of fitness as much as it was relating to the uh, emotional and the psychological aspects of fitness. Uh And I took what I knew from NLP. I took what I learned from neuro-linguistic programming. I took what I learned from reading books on sports psychology. And then I combined that with what I call cross-cultural spirituality. So I'd spent a lot of time studying religion in college specifically Eastern religion, but I had had an understanding of Christian religion as well. And just being able to adapt some of those different tools and techniques to the needs of my clients to help them to master their minds, to master Mm -hmm. their mood and master their mindset. That was really what I wanted to do to help people to be consistent with their exercise. So diet, diet adherence and exercise motivation was the focus of these talks that I gave in the mid mid to late 90s. And then I got enrolled in a sports psychology program, an online sports psychology program in 2000. And then I, it took four years for me to complete. And then by that time, I'd read about 50 books on just golf and the mind. So I, I, I read a lot of books on all the different sports from um, billiards to badminton to volleyball and everything in between. And I found out that there were five, sorry, six core mental skills that these competitive athletes, professional athletes, Olympic level athletes all had. And they, they were in order. I mean, this is the order that I've used when I, when I teach right. is conscious right. relaxation, mm-hmm. visualization, positive self-talk, 
goal setting, motivation, and focus. So those are the six core mental skills that every high-level athlete from Michael Jordan to Wayne Gretzky. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely understand that. And and the, the challenge is most coaches don't teach people how to visualize. They don't teach people how to talk to themselves. They don't teach people how to develop keen powers of focus. So I started meditating when I was 16. So I have a really good ability to focus but that's because I've got many years and decades of mm-hmm. looking at a wall and right. <laughs> being able to, to just focus in that way. And most people don't have the time to put the, the they don't have the inclination or the time to, to do that kind of old school training mm-hmm. the way that I did studying with Asian uh, masters. So mm-hmm. I think that hypnosis is a wonderful way of having a shortcut to being able to have a greater level of focus that everyone is looking for. Everyone wants to have more focus. Everyone wants to have a sharper mind. And one of the ways that we can do that is by using hypnosis to narrow our focus, to keep us on track. Exactly. And talking about focus, I just wanted to just add in um, what I've started to do when you talked about focus, when you talked about, you know, how your mind, you know, just, um, that for example i can just share is that you know i just i have a candle and i stare at the candle so that develops my focus develops my willpower you know how long can i stare at that candle or you know put a dot on the wall and stare at that instead your concentration and your mind yes yes, it's going to wonder it may kind of you may navigate but then can you is developing that mental strength Yes, absolutely. I applaud you because that is exactly how the old school teachers that I had in the early 80s taught me. I remember in 1981 or 1982 being told to put a pen dot on a blank piece of paper, put it Mm -hmm. on my wall and -hmm. look at that and just focus on that alone. And again, the candle flame, that was something else that I was taught. And these things go back hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as as you know, your your background is is Indian. Indian, yes. Indian. Mm-hmm. So so a lot of what we look at in China or Japan or Korea came originally from India. Exactly, and some of these you know um, ancient tools they are they are so relevant. They are so important, and, and yet people are want they're learning. They slowly begin to learn how the ancient culture really is so powerful, so strong that you know we can learn so much. And yes. as I said, you know, I initially I was reactive when some people say to me, "Well, you know, you should do meditation or know about you know acupuncture, acupuncture you know." And I'm, I'll be I'll be so reactive. But now I started to know that is very important. If you know, if it's good for me, I'm going to do it. Initially, yes. back then. I was reactive and I didn't want to know about it. So mental games, that is so good. And I think when you can take patients, take athletes to where they were or where they are right now and how can they really enhance their performance? Because at the end of the day, you know, athletes, that's what they're looking for. How can they enhance the performance, win at that game? Is is there a specific that when it comes to managers and coaches, what do most managers and coaches, what are they doing? And what can they do even more 
to enhance the performance of athletes? Well, what we want to do is we want to have access to our best possible moments. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the tools that I use, and this is something that I, I learned in neurolinguistic programming, is something called a circle of excellence. Okay. And the circle of excellence ha- goes by different names. Sometimes it's called a circle of power, mm-hmm. circle of control. There are different ways that people have framed it. But mm-hmm. the idea is when you go into an athletic event, and I, I served as a mental coach to the Vassar College fencing team. This is a school in my area. And so I worked with them for several seasons. And what I would show them is how to envision a circle on the floor, right, uh, right maybe a foot in front of them, and then put all of their awards, put all of their medals, all their trophies, all of their successful moments, their newspaper clippings, all of all of those things, all of the words that they might associate, synonyms that they might associate with greatness, put it all into the circle, put color into the circle, put music, their Rocky, their own Rocky theme, put all that stuff into the circle, then step into the circle and have yourself just transformed by all of the energy that's oh. in that circle. Let so it you're come being through. that you're being that. Yes. Being. Yes. And then you can train you can train yourself to be able to bring that circle with you wherever you go. So sometimes athletes perform better at home than mm-hmm. they do when they're on the road. So they have a really good feeling about their own gymnasium or their own track. But when they're in an unfamiliar territory, they don't play as well. So being able to have something like the Circle of Excellence, so when they travel to another gymnasium or they travel to another field, they are able to have that home field advantage away from home. And, you know, being, being, stepping into that person, stepping into, and that whole energy, because I love that exercise. So stepping in with everything that you want to accomplish, you are being that person, transform yourself into that person. Because athletes, like we know, um, you know, football players, they are always, every day, I think it's before a match or even after the match, they always review the games. Yes. Because they want to, they want to always keep on excelling. What's the idea behind that? I'm curious as to why did, why did they want to view the, uh, the, the, the game that they played the day before? Well, they want to understand where their strengths lie and where their uh-huh. weaknesses lie. Uh, so having some tape, they call it, being able to review where they were playing their best, where they were falling down, so to speak, where they were short, coming up short. But being able to have that, they're able to key in on the strengths that they have and they're able to let go of the weaknesses that they have leading up to the match. So after every match, you want to review what you did right and what you did wrong. And you want to minimize what you did wrong. You want to maximize what you did right. Right. So you spend much more time on what this is ideal coaching philosophy You spend more time on what players did right than what they did wrong. It's the same in education. So when uh, a test comes back, you want to focus on what the students did right, the answers that they knew, the questions that they knew the answers to, rather than just reminding them, oh, you got so many different questions wrong. That's not really helpful. What's most helpful for them to do is is to start with their strengths and to build on those strengths. Are there any tips, are there tips that you could provide for the viewers? Are there tips 
that you could mention as to what people can do in everyday life? How can they, after hearing you, um, how can they sort of take on board what they are hearing and they want to implement right now into their lives? How can one do that into their lives every single day? Are there tips that you could share with us? One of the things that I think people already know is affirmations. And I like to supercharge or turbocharge affirmations. And the way to do that is by using hypnosis, getting into a receptive, ready state of mind. So instead of just saying over and over, I'm a winner, I'm a winner, I believe in myself, I believe in myself, I believe in myself, you would have to say that literally thousands of times for it to Uh make any kind of impact. So getting into a meditative state, getting into a relaxed state, a receptive state, the the state that we use in meditation and prayer is the same state we use in hypnosis. So people know how to get into hypnosis without knowing they've been getting into hypnosis. So whatever means looking at a dot, looking at a candle flame, breathing deeply, counting your breaths, mindfulness, whatever way someone already knows how to get into a relaxed, receptive state of mind, do that and then do your affirmations and when you do your affirmations do them slowly so don't 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 rush them but take some time and just squeeze out the words and give yourself time to form a mental picture and then ideally a mental movie to go along with each affirmations so if you say to yourself i'm a winner pause allow that to sink in what does that look like What does that sound like? What does that feel like? What does that taste like? Create a movie for every affirmation that you want to give to yourself and then have that play as a, as a, as a whole series of movies. And then that's, what's going to actually make an impact on your performance by having now these affirmations that you already had before. It's, it's kind of like using something that's already on hand but now you can use it in a more efficient, effective manner. And I love that, you know, affirmations. So would you say affirmations and visualizations? Because it's just like, you know, you're saying affirmations, you're picturing that person you are being, you are becoming, or you are that person, always in the in the present tense. So affirmation, I mean, this is what I love. I love to do affirmations. Like first thing in the morning, my morning routine is I set my goals, affirmations, visualization, meditation, now that I love meditation. Um, So affirmations and visualization, would you say, would you combine those two together to really be effective? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that, that goes Mm -hmm. back to what I was saying, the, the core mental skills, the six mental skills of the mental games program is getting to that place of conscious relaxation, getting to that place of visualization and getting to that place of self-talk. Self-talk and affirmations are the same thing. So what you say to yourself when you talk to yourself is so telling and so important. So oftentimes Mm -hmm. what we're saying to ourselves is very, very negative. So we wanna change that into something positive. So self-talk is positive in nature. It's present oriented not necessarily future oriented. You're seeing yourself as having that new car in the present moment. You're seeing yourself having that new wardrobe. You're seeing yourself having that new promotion right now because the mind doesn't really know the past or the future. It only knows now. So being able to really center 
your 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 thinking on the here and the now is the best way to go. Exactly. No. Initially, people, I mean, people who don't know the, the techniques that needs to be done, like, you know, when it comes to affirmations, people often used to like, you know, talk into the future. Well, the future is, no one knows the future. We, we can't predict the future. Uh, so as it's correct, absolutely. Uh, focus on, always on the present because it's a gift and it's the gift that we've been given. So why not use, make the most of that, what we've been given, the talents. So Ajumu, this has been such an amazing conversation. And so many things that I've been curious about hypnosis, about, um, you know, when it comes to sports psychology, psychologists, coaches, what do they do? So thank you so much for highlighting what the program, what the modalities that you have been focusing on, what you do. So my final question, and I always love to ask this to my guests. So everything, Ajamu, that you have accomplished, and I'm sure there's more to accomplish because there's more to you uh, that I, I'm sure you, you want to accomplish. So the more that you will be accomplishing. So you go to bed at night and you wake up in the morning and all your files have been de deleted. What are three things that you want people to learn? Mm, that's a great question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is that everything you need is within you already. Mm, love that. And, and that's what I, cause I've had something similar to what you're describing happen where uh, computers die suddenly right. and yeah. all of my manuscript is, is now, is now gone forever. This is in the days before we had the cloud. So knowing that you have everything that you need within you is a really key belief. Mm -hmm. I, I talked about uh, um, a presupposition of NLP, which says that there is no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. I right. think that having that belief has saved my life because being uh, a perfectionist is a very difficult existence. And perfectionism is predicated on this belief of success or failure, this binary type of thinking. But there's there's always a continuum of success. There's always a continuum of so-called failure. So understanding that no matter where you fall on that spectrum, you have an opportunity to go a little bit further the next time around. Exactly. Another another thing I would like to share, if I'm if I have three to share, is hope is always realistic. Hope is always realistic. And I, I borrowed that from a teacher of mine who since passed away when I was studying medical hypnosis. He was my mentor. Uh, his name was Michael Elner. And he was made he made that statement famous. Hope is always realistic. And, and uh, I want everyone to understand whether they're dealing with a health challenge, whether they're dealing with a relationship challenge, a financial challenge, whatever it may be, that hope is always something that is realistic. That is so beautiful. Hope, absolutely hope. You know, it doesn't matter what we go through life. And I, I, I really believe in this. I've gone through a lot of, uh, you know, hardships in my life. And so the one thing, it doesn't matter, like you said, it doesn't matter what we go through is to never lose hope. Yes. So the pathway for you 
is to be a successful speaker, is if the path for you is to be a great athlete, if the path for you, it doesn't matter what the path is, if you fail, like you said, you know, if you fail, but there's always feedback, get back up on the in the, on the on the saddle and keep on going. So don't lose hope. I absolutely love that. That is so powerful, so beautiful. But we need to recognize because the hope is within us. Yes, yes. I mean, there's so much more that I would I would share. Uh, I, I think that another thing that comes to mind is the connectivity of all of us. So um, the way that you and I connected is a source of strength. So recognizing that there are people in your life, whether those are mentors, whether those are people that you're mentoring, whether those are people who are colleagues, that there's this, this incredible network of people in, in our lives that cross paths with us and it creates a kind of safety net, a kind okay. of strength that mm -hmm. you, you don't fall through the cracks now because you've got your colleagues, you've got your students, you've got your teachers, you've got your mentors. And that's what allows us to, to stay in the game, so to speak, because if you're if you're looking at sports, there's always a coach. Mm -hmm. There's almost always a team. There, there are people who are backing that person. There's the nutritionist. There's the physical therapist. There's the, you know, all of these different figures who are bringing their strength to bear to to bolster and support this athlete to be his or her best. And I think for those of us who are functioning as a, as entrepreneurs, we are athletes of a different sort. And, but we need to have as much support for our endeavors, our, our undertakings as an athlete would have. So we need to have that, that, that same kind of safety net that allows us to keep um, forging ahead each and every day. Exactly. And that's always good. So once we see that, once we know that there's a safety net, uh, we are not going to fall through the cracks because there's that support. Absolutely. I, I, Exactly. And Ajamu, this has been so enlightening. Thank you so much for coming on. We really, truly appreciate and value your time for joining us. And can we give some love to Ajamu Ayande, who has shared a lot of nuggets today? Because, I mean, I'm, I was just blown away. And I'm sure, you know, you got a, a lot of value that was shared today. And you know, this show brings on amazing, inspirational entrepreneurs who are making a difference, making an impact in their industries. And I and me and my team always want to bring on amazing entrepreneurs that you truly are going to be inspired. So we have come to the end of another amazing show of Acid Podcast with Alka. And we look forward to seeing you again very soon. But in the meantime, make you know make an amazing day make the rest of the day at the best of the day and we will see you soon bye for now thank you mm -hmm.